One high horn shrilled and ceased. The silence that followed was shaken only by the sound of many footsteps, keeping time with a drum struck softly at a slow heart pace. Through cracks in the roof of the Hall of the Throne, gaps between columns where a whole section of masonry and tile had collapsed, unsteady sunlight shone aslant. It was an hour after sunrise. The air was still and cold. Dead leaves of weeds that had forced up between marble pavement tiles were outlined with frost and crackled, catching on the long black robes of the priestesses. They came four by four, down the vast hall between double rows of columns. The drum beat dully. No voice spoke. No eye watched. Torches carried by black-clad girls burned reddish in the shafts of sunlight, brighter in the dusk between. Outside, on the steps of the Hall of the Throne, the men stood. Guards, trumpeters, drummers. Within the great doors, only women had come, dark-robed and hooded, walking slowly four by four toward the empty throne. Two came, tall women looming in their black, one of them thin and rigid, the other heavy, swaying with the planting of her feet. Between these two walked a child of about six. She wore a straight white shift. Her head and arms and legs were bare, and she was barefoot. She looked extremely small. At the foot of the steps leading up to the throne, where the others now waited in dark rows, the two tall women halted. They pushed the child forward a little. The throne on its high platform seemed to be curtained on each side with great webs of blackness dropping from the gloom of the roof. Whether these were curtains or only denser shadows, the eye could not make certain. The throne itself was black, with a dull glimmer of precious stones, or gold on the arms and back. And it was huge. A man sitting in it would have been dwarfed. It was not of human dimensions. It was empty. Nothing sat in it but shadows. Alone, the child climbed up four of the seven steps of red-veined marble. They were so broad and high that she had to get both feet onto one step before attempting the next. On the middle step, directly in front of the throne, stood a large, rough block of wood, hollowed out on top. The child knelt on both knees and fitted her head into the hollow, turning it a little sideways. She knelt there without moving. A figure in a belted gown of white wool stepped suddenly out of the shadows at the right of the throne and strode down the steps to the child. His face was masked with white. He held a sword of polished steel five feet long. Without word or hesitation, he swung the sword, held in both hands, up over the little girl's neck. The drum stopped beating. As the blade swung to its highest point and poised, a figure in black darted out from the left side of the throne, leapt down the stairs and stayed the sacrifice's arms with slenderer arms. The sharp edge of the sword glittered in mid-air. So they balanced for a moment, the white figure and the black, 
both faceless, dancer-like above the motionless child, whose white neck was bared by the parting of her black hair. In silence, each leapt aside and up the stairs again, vanishing in the darkness behind the enormous throne. A priestess came forward and poured out a bowl of some liquid on the steps beside the kneeling child. The stain looked black in the dimness of the hall. The child got up and descended the four stairs laboriously. When she stood at the bottom, the two tall priestesses put on her a black robe and hood and mantle and turned her around again to face the steps. The dark stain, the throne. Oh, let the nameless ones behold the girl given to them, 